Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. everybody and welcome back to another episode of third eye with Lorelai and yes this is a video recorded episode so if you are listening to this and you really want to see what's going on then make sure you go to my youtube channel and check out this video which is being recorded right now with my lovely face so anyway (laughs) thank you for coming back and taking a listen to what I've been looking up and talking about this week and because I am doing this as a video recording, I am super excited to re-talk about some of the crystals because I can actually showcase them to you and you can actually look at them. And one of the crystals that I'm really excited to talk to you about that I've already talked about in the past. Now, granted, it was many episodes ago, so I kind of feel cool about like revisiting this crystal in particular because everybody is really excited about it. At least. I feel like a lot of people in the metaphysical community get really juiced and they kind of know about this crystal. So I'm really excited to talk about it with you today. So I'm really excited to talk about Moldavite today. So anyway, hope you guys, oh, sorry, totally hit my my, my microphone just now. (laughs) Anyway, I got a lot of stuff on my table. So hopefully I don't knock into too many things today. So anyway so we're gonna be talking about moldavite Ooh, squee i'm so excited so i have two little pieces that i'm going to be showing you today that i have and hopefully you like it so i'm going to switch over the little webcam so that you can see it okay here we go so this is just a little piece of i think this is clear quartz i'm not sure what this baby is so anyway i got a little thing here so that you can see it a little easier so this is my little piece of moldavite This is my little baby. This is the first one that I bought. And you can see it kind of looks like glass almost, like with the striations and everything in it. Yeah, got a good little thing on there. So yeah, that's my little piece of Moldavite. And then I have a, a larger piece. And this is my larger piece of Moldavite. And you see it's like really dark green. It almost looks like black. I mean, granted, the the lighting isn't doing its super great justice right now, but like it's a lot darker green than than this guy, as you can see. And it's much bigger. This was a a little bit more of an expensive piece. (laughs) So, but I was really excited to get it. I mean, like super, super excited. So anyway, this is my my big one, my big Moldavite. So anyway, we're going to talk about this really beautiful and really amazing stone. And I like to, um, I like to pair these guys with clear quartz. This is more of a, just a raw piece. And this is a polished piece of clear quartz looks kind of glass. And if you're really going balls to the wall, you can use Herkimer diamond. Now, the one thing that you have to take into consideration is if you're not a super grounded person, then it would be really good to pair Moldavite with some sort of stone that's really good with grounding. So um, 
just so that way you're not getting too spaced out and out of control. Um, so I'm going to read to you from the Crystal Bible book by Judy Hall to talk about the stone in more detail. So that, And I'm pretty sure in my first episode, I used this book to talk about it. So this is just going to be a reiteration of what I've already talked about with Moldavite. So it comes in dark green, generally. Um, it's usually small, transparent. It's a folded mass, and it's often glassy. Um, it's pretty rare, but it's readily available. And although it's increasingly, it is very expensive, um, it's as source is used up. So basically this, this tektite, the, this is a tektite. This was created from a very large um, impact from a meteor millions and millions of years ago. And the impact from this um, created moldavite. And that's why it looks the way that it does because of the heat and the intensity of the blast created this in incredible stone. And because it has this high energy, it, it has, it, it's basically housing that, that energetic blast from years ago and, you know, makes you vibe super high, I suppose. But anyway, it's sourced out of the Czech Republic, Germany, and Moldova. So attributes of Moldavite are it, Moldavite is another stone for the new age. It is a form of tektite and it's said to have extraterrestrial origin, obviously, because it was made from a blast from millions of years ago, formed when a giant meteorite struck the earth. The heat of impact metamorphosed surrounding rocks, creating a strew field by flinging the resulting crystals over a vast area. Moldavite is therefore a fusion of extraterrestrial energies with Mother Earth. This is a rare stone. It is now found along the banks of the river Moldau and is unlikely to be discovered anywhere else in the world, hence the reason why it's so expensive. The crystal will become extinct, especially after everyone's bought it up and sold it off and everything. There at one point, it's not going to be around anymore. Moldavite has been used since Stone Age times as a talisman and amulet for good fortune and fertility. Many people believe that it came to aid in Earth's transition and healing and that the time has come to use Moldavite's energy wisely. It can greatly enhance the effect of other crystals, taking them to their highest vibration. Moldavite brings you into communication with the higher self and with extraterrestrials. That's kind of awesome. Moldavite has its own cosmic oversoul. So I'm not entirely sure what an oversoul is, but um, I can look it up. Let me see if I can get lucky and look it up because the last couple of times I've tried to look up things, <laughs> I feel like I've just been kind of let down. So let me see if I can, if she has something here. So 382. Oh, okay, there is a definition. <laughs> yes, okay. Oversoul, the part of a soul group that resonates at a higher frequency and direct the spiritual progress of the group. Okay, so I guess I should look up soul group because, you know, I don't really know what that is either. So let's see. Soul group. A cluster of souls who are in carnation. <laughs> in incarnation. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. 
whatever. So that's that's what an oversoul is. Um, okay. So Moldavite has its own cosmic oversoul which can put you in touch with the ascended masters and cosmic messengers holding the stone up to the light and gazing to it into its shifts your or gazing into it shifts your consciousness the stone takes you to the highest spiritual dimensions and facilitates the ascension process it needs to be grounded or else it can leave you spaced out and rootless okay so hence that whole idea of having another stone or doing something that is very grounding when you're doing work with the stone so that way you don't get like too out there in left field okay holding a pair of boji stones gently grounds after spiritual experiences with moldavite and the energies of clear quartz stabilize its effects so haha there you go get some clear quartz with that too um, Moldavite has an extremely high vibration, which opens, clears, opens and clears blockages from and aligns the chakras. It integrates the divine blueprint and accelerates spiritual growth. Moldavite resonates with the crown chakra, opening it to receive the highest spiritual guidance. Oh, there I go again, touching my, touching my microphone. Sorry about that. Um, Moldavite resonates with the crown chakra, opening it to receive the highest spiritual guidance. Placed on the throat, Moldavite communicates interplanetary messages, especially with regard to the state of ecology of the earth and its need for healing. This is a stone that transcends time. Placed on the third eye, Moldavite can enable you to go forward into the future or back into the past. It facilitates journeys to other lives if this is appropriate. Rather than going back into the past to relive a life, except to regain spiritual wisdom or journeying to the before incarnation state to access purpose. Moldavite shows you your future potentials. Under the influence of Moldavite, you can go forward to a future life to see the results of actions taken in the present life. Or to learn what is needed in the present life in order to prevent destruction in the future goodness gracious. Moldavite is a useful stone for sensitive people who find it difficult being in incarnation on the earth and who cannot adjust to suffering and deep emotions. So all of you star seeds out there that are watching this, this is something that I think you should really look into. Many such people are star children who have come to aid the earth in its time of transition to a new vibration. So that, my friends, is right now. They are unused to the heavy energies of earth and find it difficult to integrate the spiritual bodies into the physical and need to ground. Moldavite used in conjunction with grounding stones such as hematite and smoky quartz aids this process. Placed on the heart, Moldavite eases homesickness for those whose origin is not earth. Moldavite has no crystalline structure, and so it takes you way beyond your limits and boundaries. Psychologically, it assists in developing detachment from mundane, earthbound security issues, such as money and worries, for the future. Moldavite provides an overview of reasons for incarnating and contacts your spiritual purpose, integrating this into earthly life. It supports uh, qualities such as empathy and compassion. At a mental level, Moldavite is unconventional and inspiring, bringing the unexpected solution forward. 
It can awaken latent memories and access spiritual information through the intellect. It releases fixed ideas and archaic belief systems and can neutralize hypnotic commands. Man, I feel like there's a lot of people that would do well with some Moldavite in their life. Just thinking of that right now. Are you thinking of a couple people like that right now? Because I sure am. Anyway, physically, holding Moldavite may trigger a huge rush of energy through the body that has powerful metaphysical effects. So I have something to say about this too, because I have two friends that actually purchased some Moldavite um, about a month or two ago, and they had this similar effect. There was a tremendous amount of energy that was felt, and it was reverberated over the few days that they wore it. And they found that when they wore it in inherently negative environments, they would take on or that that negativity would be amplified in some way, shape or form. And sometimes this Moldavite can um, make you feel like this rush of energy can really make you feel off kilter. It can bring up a lot of those. um, It can bring up a lot of those feelings that maybe aren't your own or that maybe you've been holding on for a little too long. It can make you feel really kind of a little bit lousy, but releasing that and grounding that is the most important part of this whole process because it brings to light these things that you may be holding on to or maybe other people's energies that you may be holding on to. And it's important to ground and release those things after you've done this work and realize this is what you've been, this is what you're carrying with you. Um, Okay, so let me go back here. Um, It downloads information from the Akashic record and the light body which then has to be processed and made conscious. This process may take some time, but the process accelerates spiritual growth and the raising of personal vibrations. And that can be uncomfortable, you guys, just so you know. Raising your vibration so quickly, especially with using this type of stone, it can be a little bit like dizzying and off kiltering. So just keep that in mind when you purchase this, you know, some of you may already have a really elevated vibration and it's fine. Like when I first purchased Moldavite, this, this little guy, I didn't feel that, that rush that other people feel. And I think it was just because I'd already been working on my vibration and elevating it. But when I got this guy, I did have some of that. Some of just, just a little bit. (laughs) It was really interesting. So rather than healing individual conditions, Moldvite makes one aware of the cause and source of dis-ease and then supports the releasing and healing process. It It also brings the gift contained within the illness to your attention. Now, isn't that interesting that we don't even think about this ill or dis ease that we have that we carry with us? what the gift is in having those issues, right? We think, I just got to get rid of it. I don't even want to have it anymore. But it's like, but what change did it bring forth in your life? You know, what lessons did you learn in this process and how did it help you? Because there's always some lesson learned in whatever is occurring in your life, no matter how good or bad, you know, there's always a lesson in it, right? Or a blessing. So anyway, um, It also brings a gift. Okay, yeah. So Moldavite can be used as a tool for diagnosis. People who dislike its deep green color often have an aversion to emotion and need to experience unconditional love and wholeness. They may also have hidden emotional trauma that needs to surface and heal, for which other crystals are required. 
So for appropriate placement, you want to place it on the forehead, throat, or crown. To note, moldavite is fragile and should not be cleansed with salt as it scratches the surface. Okay, so that's moldavite, you guys. And I hope that you guys have the opportunity to go and pick some of this up if, you know, the funds are there because <laughs> it is a little bit pricey, but it is an amazing stone. And if you are really serious about your spiritual ascension process and raising your vibration, this is the stone for a very serious spiritual working situation. So if you are wanting to raise your vibration and you're really serious about making those life changes, this is definitely the stone that you want to grab onto. Okay. So that, that is pretty much it. So let me beam back to my one cam. Hello. Okay. So let's move on to the quote of the week. Now I have my little phone here and I'm going to look and see what I put on here. Okay. So the quote of the week is worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. And that was by Corey Ten Boom. Okay, moving right along, you guys. So let's talk about the topic. So the topic this week are divination tools. Now I have in my YouTube stream down here, I have an entire class on divining tools and how to use them. And I wanted to do that actually as a podcast episode today, because I figure a lot of you guys have questions about how to use tarot cards or how to use a pendulum or how to use, um, divining rods or dowsing rods is what they call them too. And you can use all of these things in a form of gaining clarity and understanding what is in your environment as information and how to access higher vibrational information to make your situation more clear and where you need to go and what you need to do. So they can be used for um, future like you know, like understanding what is coming. But like a lot of times what I get, especially because I am a, I, I, I utilize tarot cards as my divining tool primarily. And a lot of times people will sit down in front of me and say, I want to know what's going to happen. And a lot of times, you know, that, that can be translated and I can be able to do that. The problem is, is that's not always what's going to come to the surface. And when you use tarot cards, you have to really release expectations and you have to release what you've, what you're wanting to mold and shape and control in this situation. You have to just allow whatever spirit needs to bring to you to let it be. Okay. You may be going through something in your life and what will come through in the cards will be about that most likely. And it'll help you find a way to deal with it in this particular instance. And there will be some cards usually that will say down the line, if you don't deal with it in this way, or if you do do it the right way, which is this way or whatever, this most likely will be the outcome. So that is usually how I delve into future. Sometimes future comes through and it's very unclear to me. And I think that there's a reason for that because a lot of times I feel like if I already knew what was going to come for you, how, how would you try and manipulate it to, to let it come or to change the outcome? So 
I feel like in order for you to really identify and embrace what is to come, it not it, it there has to be some level of of allowance with that. And with that comes you not really knowing how that's going to look. So, um, sorry, I just had to kind of put that out there because I feel like I've, you know, we'll get some people that will sit down and be like, I want you to tell me my future. And I'm like, well, I'll try, like I will do my best, but let's, let's be real here. Like you need to work on what you're doing right now in order to get that future outcome that you really want. So there's a lot of allowance and a lot of control that people need to release in this whole process. And that is very true when you use tools of divination. So anyway, let's, let's rewind back and talk about it. So I have a couple of things here that I'm going to read to you about um, the different tools and such. So cross or they separate. Okay, and that generally shifts and changes whenever you are in a different energetic space or the energy shifts or there's something that is different that's happening and the rods respond to that. So um, let's look into some of the history of what dowsing rods are. And I'm getting this information from Britannica.com forward slash topic forward slash dowsing. So dowsing in occultism, use of, of use of a forked piece of hazel, rowan, or willow wood, or of a Y-shaped metal rod like this, or of a pendulum suspended by a nylon or silk thread, which I also have, and I'll be talking about. This is a pendulum. Um, let's see. In an attempt to detect such hidden substances as water, minerals, treasure archaeological remains, and even dead bodies. The practice seems to have first come into vogue in the European Middle Ages. The dowser, in his search, grasps the rods, itself called the dowser, by its two prongs and appears to receive transmissions from the hidden object that cause involuntary muscular contractions, which in turn make the rod bend or quiver violently. Some dowsers claim to be able to detect buried substances merely by passing a dowsing rod over a map of the area where the substance lies hidden. The term divining rod, sometimes used to describe the forked instrument, is frowned upon by dowsers because divination is not considered part of the process. In the use of the rods, they generally can find how hidden things such as, you know, in this instance, energy is generally, it's either felt or understood in the emotional, in an emotional response, um, whether you have chills or whether you have that gut response, um, or some people even feel like, you know, touching on the back of their heads, or they feel like a, a web-like substance, they're coming into contact with some sort of energetic shift or some sort of um, spiritual contact. And divining rods or dowsing rods are really good about reacting to that change or that shift in energy in your space. Okay, so um, that is one thing that you can utilize and you can actually ask questions if you have like a spirit or something in your space that you feel comfortable, like if it's your spirit guide or if it's um, an ancestor that you are able to speak to and communicate with these would be a really good way of 
of asking questions and understanding things. And I do believe that the cross and the the apart mean either a yes or no. Oh, geez, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I keep keep bumping my um my microphone. So hopefully that doesn't like make a big deal. Anyway. So that's pretty much divining rods. Um, they're really, really good about understanding the energy in your space. So it's not like one of those things that, I mean, you could use them on a daily basis if you feel like you would get pretty meaningful answers um, when you're in your own space or if you're in another person's space. Uh, those would be great. Um, I personally don't use them as frequently as I use like my, my tarot cards or even my pendulums. So. Anyway, that is divining rods. So let's talk about, let's move on to um, runes. So runes are really, really amazing. So I actually had these made for me by this incredible woman that I, uh, that I do tarot reads with. And I'm going to clear off all my stuff here so that I can show you on the dual cam here. Okay, so these are runes. And so this is made with walnut wood and she actually etched and burned these. And it's gonna be a little bit hard to see, but on this guy, so that's one of them. And there's a blank one. Yeah, there we go. So these are all ancient Germanic symbols and letters. They all mean different things and they're all very meaningful. And how you use these are you basically have them in like a baggie like this. And you, what you do is when you're wanting to do a reading, what you do is you do a cast and you pull all the things from the bag and you cast them into your circle and then whatever is remaining in your circle is your reading. And then whatever is here, you, that is the, you, you look up what those symbols mean. And that is your reading. Now, I can't remember what, what happens if you have these up. I think that these are just not a part of it. If you are a rune master, then please message me and let me know that, know that that's not incorrect. But, um, I think when they stand up, you don't really, you can, you can look at, I, I would be one of those per people that are of the mind that I would be curious and I want to know what they stand for. And if they actually are meaningful to me, then hell yeah, like that's part of it. But you know, I, I guess like for the, the rules or whatever, if they're standing up like this, I guess that they're not really a part of it, but you would just take them out. Um, but yes, you would look up what these symbols mean, and then that would be part of your reading. So let's look at what are the histories? What's, what's the history with runes and where did they come about and why are they meaningful? So let me go back to my one cam here. Okay, so this is coming from a rune guide or holisticshop.co.uk forward slash articles forward slash guide dash runes. And this um, article is rune guide and introduction to using the runes. So runes are an ancient form of oracle used by those seeking advice. Runes have a long history dating back to ancient use by Germanic and Nordic tribes. 
and are still widely used in today's society. Anyone can have a rune reading, but it's also fun to be able to learn how to use them yourself. Here's a guide to all you need to get started with using runes. So let's, let's talk about that. So what are runes? The word rune simply means mystery, whisper, or secret. And it's a form of divination or oracle reading system that used to help gain insight into situations or questions. Runes can be made of various materials, but are most commonly made of stone and feature a symbol from the rune alphabet on them. So that's like what I was showing you guys before, like the little, like that. Okay. So there are various different types of runic alphabets used on runes, with one of the oldest ones being the old Germanic runic alphabet known as the Elder Firthark. The Elder Firthark contains 24 runes, the first six of which spell out the word Firthark. Over time, this was adapted and in order to use it to write in Anglo-Saxon or Old English, a number of other runes were added to the alphabet, bringing it up to 33. This is known as the Anglo-Saxon Firthark, which is like, instead of Firthark with an A-R-K, it's O-R-C, so Firthark. Hope I'm saying that right. Anyway, another adaptation is the younger or Scandinavian Firthark which is believed to have been used in Scandinavia until the 17th century. All of these variations highlight changes that were made as people moved and emigrated to different countries. Uh, as well as each rune symbol being a letter of the alphabet, they also have a symbolic meaning too. Although many of these date back to traditional meanings, which would have meant a lot to the people using the runic alphabet, the intention behind the symbol still has relevance today. Now, they have a whole list of these on here, and um, I don't really know if I can find all of these on here because that might take a little while. But and the unless I can like actually show you because there's like an F and a U and a T, which all spells out Furfark. So I guess the F for the Firthark means domestic cattle or wealth. The U means wild ox. The T means thorn or a giant. H means hail. A means an ancestral god. The R means wagon or chariot. And K means a beacon or torch. And all of them have this very specific name, which is Fehu Uruz Thurasaz, Hagalaz, Ansuz, Reho and Kenaz. I am fairly certain that I butchered the crap out of that, so I am so sorry if I did. <laughs> I did my best, guys. Okay, so the origin of runes. The runes stem from an ancient form of Germanic alphabet, which was used by the Germanic and Nordic tribes of Northern Europe, Scandinavia, and Britain for writing, divination, and magical purposes. Runic inscriptions have been found on stones, jewelry, weapons, and objects dating back to the 3rd century AD, but it's likely that they existed long before that. So what can runes be used for? The runes can be used to help you guide yourself through problems or issues and help you Oh, and help show you what is likely to happen. They're not a form of fortune telling and don't offer exact answers or give you advice. Rather, they offer different variables and suggest how you can behave if the event does occur. Runes are known for hinting towards answers, but leaving you to work out the details, which is where intuition is helpful. 
runic readers acknowledge that the future isn't fixed and that individuals have the power to follow their own path and make their own decisions. So if you don't like the guidance that a rune reading provides, you've got the power to change your direction, your path, and follow a different route. Runes can be used in many different situations. For example, one of the occasions when it can be useful to consult the runes is if you're in a situation where you have limited information or can only see an incomplete picture. Okay, how do runes work? When you cast the runes, it's not fortune telling. The idea behind the way the runes work is that you ask a question or think about an issue, your conscious and unconscious minds are, focus, are focused. When the runes are cast in front of you, they're not totally random, but are choices that have been made by your subconscious. So what can you ask the runes about? Some people, some people using runes believe you should only ask about issues, whereas others Others regard it as fine to ask questions. Whichever method you use, keep your questions or issues clearly in your mind as you cast your runes. Remember, that's, uh, remember that doing a rune reading is not about seeing the future or definitive answers. It's about looking for possible causes and effects and seeing potential outcomes. Now, I feel this is also true for tarot and pretty much any divination tool like this. You have to be open to the different ways that you, you can achieve this outcome that you're wanting. You just, again, you have to be able to recede yourself from the control of how you need to get there or how it looks. So um, then it talks about what sort of runes that you need and everything, but I think that this is, this is plenty and it's very good information. So anyway, those are runes. And they're fantastic and they're very helpful and they're great in conjunction with other divination tools. And I highly recommend if this interests you to get a bunch of different ones and try them all out because you never know what's really gonna click. Like I, I had no idea that tarot cards were gonna click for me until I started using them and it was like the best thing ever. So anyway, that is runes now this is a pendulum and like the divining rods it's it's sort of limited in like what it can tell you right it can tell you yes and no questions there are um boards that you can get that you if you hold the pendulum above it can go towards yes or no or maybe or go towards like an astrological sign and sort of like a ouija board um it can do a similar sort of answer a question sort of thing. Ouija board is another form of divination as well. It has gotten a really, really bad rap over the centuries <laughs> because it, I mean, people don't understand that when they're utilizing a Ouija board, just like with any other divination tool, there is a relative amount of protection that needs to be put in place before you use it because you're asking spirit to communicate with you. You have to be very discerning and very clear about the type of spirit that you want to communicate with. You need to be sure that you are asking for protection and you're putting things in place to protect your energy and yourself and your environment. It's very, very important. So when you're using these tools of divination, use a lot of black crystals, selenite, you call on Archangel Michael, you call on all the archangels really to surround you in protections you put you use your spirit guides you ask them to be there for you so that way 
whatever space, whatever, whatever's going to be coming into your space isn't going to be that that doesn't have your highest intention in mind. Okay. And you also need to do the, the bubble, the energetic bubble. I don't know if I've talked, I'm pretty sure I've talked about that with you guys before. So imagine yourself in a golden white bubble of protection. Some people think of like a wall of snakes. Some people think of like an actual cement wall around them to protect themselves. So whatever feels good in your body, generally I like to think of a light bubble. I like to think of a golden white bubble that surrounds me. So that way, whatever is coming in, they've got to go through a tremendous amount of light and a tremendous amount of effort to get to my space. And it has to be my highest purpose. So utilizing a Ouija board is um, is a great way to get very clear answers. Now, granted, you you have to be very careful about the things that you're asking. You know what I mean? Because like 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 that article was saying, the future is very uncertain. There aren't things that are for sure going to happen, and there are things that are for sure going to happen. You just have to be open to what is going to be communicated, and you have to be careful about what you really want to understand and know. And things can change. That whole butterfly effect is absolutely a thing. You can't think to yourself like, well, this is for sure going to be coming, and if it's not like death or taxes, you don't know. It can change at any minute. I mean, you can blink twice instead of once and the future is completely different. So understand that everything can change by making one small decision in your life. And that is just that is just how it goes. So be open to what is communicated. Be open to what is going to come to you and how it comes to you. And don't try to control how it looks. Okay. All right. On to the next thing. So this is like what I'm, what I'm good at and what I really enjoy doing, and that is tarot cards. So I'm going to do my little two-camera system again here. Okay, so let's take a look. So I use these types of tarot cards, and you can use, there's two different styles of tarot, well, there's actually lots of different types of tarot, tarot cards, but the two in general, they're grouped into two. There is the traditional Ryder Smith, which is the major and minor arcanas, which is a, a much larger deck, um, or there is an oracle deck. And that varies in how many cards are in it. And they generally have a theme that goes with them. Um, this, for me, this oracle deck is my spell casting oracle deck. And I use oracle and the Ryder Smith deck together in conjunction to get a really well-rounded reading. So I'll just show you guys these, and these are really fancy uh, Ryder Smith type. So this is my, this is, this is a, the star, and this is a major arcana card. And um, this is a minor arcana card. Okay. So you have all these, and they, they have very different meanings that are associated with them. So, um, I, you know, I, I need to give you guys some some history about the tarot cards. I get so excited. I'm like, oh, look at my cards. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> let's, let's talk about some history here. Okay, so 
what are tarot cards? And I'm getting this, I love this site, by the way. If you have questions about tarot cards or if you're interested in them, Biddy Tarot has a really great site um, and they have courses and books. You can do free readings and trainings about tarot reading and um, they're fantastic. I've used them for a lot of stuff in my whole process. So what are tarot cards and how do they work? So um, the tarot is a deck of 78 cards, each with its own imagery, symbolism, and story. The 22 major arcana cards represent life's karmic and spiritual lessons. And the 56 minor arcana cards reflect the trials and tribulations that we experience on a daily basis. Within the minor arcana cards, there are 16 tarot court cards, representing 16 different personality characteristics we may choose to express at any given time. The minor arcana also includes 40 numbered cards organized into four suits with 10 cards each, representing various situations that we encounter day to day. So what can tarot do? Some may say that tarot cards are simply ink on paper. However, what we have discovered from reading the tarot cards daily for over 20 years, well, this author is, tarot is the storybook of our life, the mirror to our soul, and the key to our inner wisdom. And I feel that to be very true for me. That resonates very deeply. Every spiritual lesson we meet in our lives can be found in the 78 tarot cards. And when we consult the tarot, we'll get shown the exact lessons we need to learn and master to live an inspired life. It's like holding up a mirror to yourself so that you can access your subconscious mind. Tarot allows us to tap into the wisdom and answers that live in us all. So how can you use tarot cards? So it's perfect for self-development making choices, manifesting goals, coaching others, including yourself, planning a business, writing a book, and meditating. I mean, there's literally so many different ways that you can use tarot cards. The best one that I have found is in self-development and helping with manifestation and in your spiritual practice and elevating your spiritual practice. So how do they work? While many people believe that tarot will tell you the future, making predictions are not really what tarot cards are about. Are you hearing that, you guys? Predicting the future is not really what tarot cards are about. Although it's, there's the possibility there, it's not really what it's designed for, okay? When it comes to tarot, fortune telling is out and intuition is in, especially if you want to create your ideal future and manifest your goals. The most powerful way to read the tarot is to use the cards to access your intuition and your inner wisdom. The imagery in the cards give you instant access to your subconscious mind and your intuition. And, for, um, and from this place of inner power and wisdom, you can discover how to make positive changes so you can manifest your goals and your dreams in the future. Do you see how that works, you guys? Like. The future is going to come if you work on the stuff today, on your present situation, working in the present and what you're doing right now, okay? So for example, I, I'm going to read this example that she says here. Let's say you want to find a new romantic relationship. Instead of pulling a card to predict whether Prince Charming is just around the corner or your princess or whatever, 
I don't know. Your your person, I should say, is just around the corner and either being blissfully excited or bitterly disappointed, you consult the cards to discover how you can attract love and keep it. You draw the Ten of Cups, and upon seeing the happy family dancing under the rainbow in the card, you are reminded that to attract love, you need to set a clear vision of what it is you want to attract. The simple act of envisioning your desired relationship then has a subtle yet powerful effect on your ability to find new love. And instead of waiting around for someone to find you, you are empowered to take action and find them. Do you see the difference here, you guys? It's not just about, this is coming to me, I'm just gonna wait. It's like, you have to take inspired action and you have to see this and want it and attract it to you by moving towards it in a very loving and active way. Do you see what I mean? So creating a connection. It's as if the tarot cards create an instant connection to your subconscious mind so we can access the inner wisdom of our higher self. And from there, we can bring it into our conscious awareness where we can take action. So, and here's the thing, you may already consciously know the message or insight you receive in a tarot reading. And that is very true. I can't tell you how many times people are like, yep, that's exactly the thing. That's what I've been thinking about. That's what's been going on. And that is where tarot lives. That is where the reading is, is really seeing where you are very clearly and giving you that validation of whether this is where you need to be going or this is what is happening in your life. And this is the actions that will help or hinder you. Okay. So in which case the reading can be a heartening confirm confirmation of what you already know. Or you might be completely unaware of the message until you see it reflected in the cards, in which case you are now empowered to take action based on your new awareness. So how do tarot cards work when reading for others? By now, you know that the tarot is a powerful tool for self-discovery and manifestation, but that doesn't quite explain what happens when you're reading for someone else and pick up that they're dating someone 20 years their junior and have told no one about it. True story. What's happening there? So our universal and inner wisdom. Well, here's where things might get a little more out there and magical. You see, we are all connected to a collective universal wisdom and our inner wisdom. And when we read the tarot cards and connect with our intuition, we can tap into this universal wisdom. It's a, it's a little like connecting, it, connecting in with the con collective mind and not just the individual mind. So when you're asking questions for others, uh, when you ask the tarot cards a question on behalf of someone else who is given permission for the reading and whose energy is invested in the reading. So that's, let me make that clear. Whenever somebody sits in front of me, there is a very clear communication of consent that's happening there because you can't just... A lot of people will be like, I'm going to do a reading for this person because I think she's moving in a really crummy direction and I just want to know. It's like, you have to make sure that you have consent for that person to read what's happening in their energetic field. It's very, very important. Okay. So when somebody is sitting in front of you and they're saying, I want you to do this type of reading for me, there is your consent and you can be in their energetic space and read what is happening with them. Okay. So anyway, let me get back to where it, so it was given permission to read it. Uh, you are tapping into this collective wisdom when you are reading their energy. 
you are picking up on all sorts of intuitive messages through the tarot cards and through your connection with the collective wisdom. And those insights are channeled through you to the person you're reading for, often in a very powerful way. So just imagine what might be possible for you and the people you read for with this limitless, timeless knowledge at your fingertips. Okay, so that's pretty much tarot cards. Now, some of the history just off the top of my head is I believe it started in Italy in like this, I want to say like the the 16th century and it was used as sort of like a playing cards thing and then it moved into more of like you know utilizing them to read the future and it was it kind of got it kind of got weird but in today's practice it is used as a, a a way for you to gain clarity in your spirituality and help others gain clarity in their spirituality in their work okay so all right i just showed you i I showed you some of my cards <laughs> and so you know this is the star and this is part, part of the major arcana and this is part of the minor arcana that we were talking about before okay so those are examples of what those are now oracle cards they look kind of like this so you see how there's it's different it's not like you have you know, a coins or, um, you know, the lover's card or, you know, the five of swords or whatever. It's artwork associated with a word. And here's another one. The cat looks funny just because I think the eyes are green and I have like a green screen up here. So, <laughs> so it's trying to make the, the space background happen in the, the eyes of the cat, which I think is funny. Okay. And then Here's another one okay so oracle cards look very different and i you see why i like using these in conjunction because then you have this like really pretty interpretation so you know you have this card which has a very specific meaning and this does too but the meaning is more clear and you can pick up on this more intuitively so sometimes when you have these these tarot cards like the writer smith there's lots of details, especially in this card deck, which I really, really love. There's lots of very important, very detailed meaning in these cards. The issue is, is it's hard for me to like intuitively gauge what's happening here. So I have to read from the guidebook each time because it's a lot of stuff. I mean, you just look at the card and there is a lot happening. There's like a gem in the middle and there's some horns and then there's some leaves on the side and then an eye and then I what is happening? There's so much going on. So you read from the guidebook. So you have this really heavily laden information piece, but then there's a more gentle piece that you're like, oh, you know, you can kind of look at what's happening and you can see prosperity. Oh, well, then there's something that's happening with this card that is going to delve into the reason why you're going to either have prosperity or that may be hindering your prosperity. You see what I mean? So this is how I do it. Some people may be different, but I feel like I get really good information by pairing up those cards. Okay, so that pretty much covers all the divination tools. Now, you can have divination tools that are kind of like out there and different. And don't be, don't feel judged about that because I know people that have, that use divination in Pinterest. I mean, seriously, you can have divination tools in many different things. I find people have them in just working with their crystals. They get information and they get 
very clear messages from images or in certain things they they utilize in everyday practice even just from watering their garden you know there is divination in things that are seemingly mundane uh i have somebody that looks at pinterest and they get you know very clear messages from the pictures that they see on pinterest and it's wild and amazing and um i have one guy that looks at uh, deviant art and it's like very clear messages from like past life experiences so don't confine the divination tools to just these things they can be anything the point is is you're getting meaningful messages and meaningful clarity from these things so pay attention and keep an open mind as to how you're receiving your communication okay So that pretty much covers the podcast episode today, you guys. I hope that you like it. And let me know if you have any questions or comments or concerns, or if you're just like, hey, I have more questions about like tarot cards or pendulums or divining rods or whatever. And I'm happy to research and look over things for you and help you get to whatever it is that you're needing to to have a more fulfilled practice. So anyway, you guys, thank you for watching and listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to like the podcast so that way we can keep moving forward and let me know what you guys like and love. And I am looking forward to the next week's episode. But until then, I love you guys and love and light to you all. If you find yourself interested in receiving an intuitive tarot reading, contact me at 3rdeyelorelei at gmail.com or you can message me on my Instagram at 3rd.eye.with.lorelei or on Facebook at Third Eye with Lorelei Podcast to set up a reading. I can do Zoom or we can meet in person as long as we are wearing those face masks and practicing social distancing just to be safe. As always, love and light to you all, and I look forward to reading you soon.